this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Danny Nelson. Dear Danny is back. The darker, spiraling, but possibly more fun counterpart to Dear Baby. Today we are going to be talking about my last advice column in which I answered questions about moving to New York and feeling friendless and uncool, this sort of latent desire everyone occasionally feels to blow up our whole life and change everything, and whether there are cases where you should take that urge seriously. We also talk about aging and the experimental CBD trial Danny is currently participating in. We talk about how I feel about writing an advice column, which is occasionally conflicted, and probably more than I'm forgetting because my conversations with Daniel are always fairly chaotic, and that's the magic of them. So without further ado... Anyway, what'd you do today, Danny? Catch me up. I had a great day. Um... It's 4.30, or no, it's 4 p.m., we're starting right oh, on time. I'm just on time. I had a wonderful day. I my dream because of the CBD, my dreams are like. Wait, tell the listeners what I, you're doing I'm about. on an experimental amount of CBD that <laughs> yesterday just got doubled from 600 milligrams, which I thought was a lot, to 1,200 milligrams, which is just. He's a, in. Wait, he's in a trial. It's an absolute banger. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, Wait, so how long... So, first of all, how did you get into this and how long have you been doing it? I found it on Craigslist in the gig section because I was afraid that uh, the unemployment office was going to check in on me for not applying to enough jobs. So every now and then I would search the gig section and just like send out emails being like, I'd love to work for your like delivery driving service or like anything, (laughs) you know, just to be like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. Anyway, but then like one was like, do you want to change your drinking habits? And I was like, this is a weird place for this. But I guess basically my response was definitely. Yeah. And so I emailed them and then this like started something rolling where I basically was like, this sounds like a scam, but like, what's up? Yeah. And she wrote back and had an NYU Langone email address. Oh, Which was, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, your pedigree checks out. But, like, it was still a few emails in before I was like, I'm believing this is real. Yeah. And then, so now, I don't know, I've been taking the CBD for about a month. And they just doubled my dose. So, has it changed your drinking habits? No. The effect of drinking has shifted. Oh, interesting. In a way. How so? Well, I mean, like, what I asked you to cut... I've only blacked out twice in the last month, <laughs> which is good. That's great. So yeah, you it's don't, great. So you don't over so Nope. You're, you're drinking the same amount, but... Pretty much. Different? I think that, like, my emotional state might be different. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, the CBD is incredible. When I first started taking it, it was like taking an Ed Bull every day. I don't think was, I would like that. No, it was awful. It was really difficult to live my life. And, like, going to the shop was unbearable or I feel like I told you this already that I went in the first day and it was like um 
Like I started using the tools and they were just too loud and I had to leave. <laughs> Like, I was like, I'm just high. But the funniest thing about it is that because it's a study, it could be a placebo. Oh, I forgot. But so I, not- like, legit know that I've been high. Okay, I, like, that's, look at myself, that's different than a placebo. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm doing, like, a... You <laughs> Dude, know? that's not a placebo. Like, but I'm like, but then I'm like, you just don't know. And then meanwhile, okay... This is the maybe the only story that will make it on the pod. Uh, with the CBD, it felt like I was getting high. I'm not supposed to take any other drugs. Cocaine leaves your system like in three days. <laughs> hey, nobody can see your hand motions, by the way. <laughs> I don't even know. I was how to doing describe. maybe like a weighing over here, weighing over there. Cocaine leaves your system quick, quick, quick. Uh-huh. Weed doesn't. Okay. And so week one of the study. Without even thinking about it, it was like Oscar night or something. Yeah. And it's very boring. I mean, it was like a strange Oscars. And then like somebody handed me a joint and I just didn't even think about it and just like smoked the joint. And then was like, right. oh my God. Like while I was smoking, I was like, fuck. So I give it back. I'm like, nothing to do now. You know? Yeah. And then, but I go and then I do, I get drug tested every time. I do my drug test and she comes back in and she's like... Okay, um, you tested positive for THC. And I was like, right, wow. (laughs) So I like really, I want to be a good study participant because I might want to do more studies. Yeah, this is going to be your new thing. It could be a thing of mine. And so I like just don't want to fuck it up. So I'm like, well, I know like I was in a really small room with people who were smoking weed like poorly ventilated you know like she's describing, like okay exactly what you're not supposed to do during a pandemic i was described <laughs> totally i know she, she didn't care at all but i was like describing a hot box to her without calling it a hot box you know and <laughs> yeah. like just like describing every aspect of what a hot box is like and somebody let out the antidote out the window and like you know like you're like what the fuck are you talking about so but i just wouldn't tell her i smoked weed so i was like yeah like and she's like i really don't think that would do it I'm like, okay, I really think it would. It is the same as smoking weed. You know, like, I think it would. And she's like, I just really don't think that would do it. But something that can happen is that your body synthesizes when you're taking this much CBD, your body synthesizes it somehow. You're literally throwing off the science of this. Hold on. Into into THC. And you're like, yeah, that's definitely what happened. No, I was telling her that I was in a hot box. (laughs) Which is not true because you literally smoked. Yeah, but shit. it's like the same. I was also mad at her for even though I was lying. For not believing. I was mad at her that I was like, you aren't getting me. You know, <laughs> like I'm telling you I smoked weed, but like accidentally. Yeah, for sure. And she's like, no, I don't think that was. So she's like, okay. She really trusted you. She's like, your body is already synthesizing the CBD into THC, which honestly, maybe it is because the effects of the pills originally. Oh, dude. Now on. you're, you're but throwing so, off the but study. But so then. I was stuck in a position where I was like, for consistency's sake, because then my next test was three weeks away. Oh, damn I'm like, for consistency's sake, should I smoke a little bit of weed? No. Or should I chill? Please don't say you smoked weed. Well, so in the very beginning... Just fully throwing out the study. They're going to be like, one of the conclusions is like, one of our... No, no, no. They already have have the data that they know that it can... Honestly, probably everybody was just smoking weed in line. But they think that... (laughs) 
<laughs> CBD can be synthesized by your body into THC. Did you just catch a fly in midair? Did I get him? <laughs> it looks like I it. think I got him. And you were so casual about I it. I know. Well, I wasn't sure if I got him, but I want to keep going. <laughs> anyway, the, you know, so it could be true that everybody's been lying, but I was like very worried about consistency. Plus the CBD does make me a little high. So I'm like sitting there like just like high being like, well, like weighing the options. Like for consistency's sake, should I, you, you know. You didn't like, do it, right? So then in the very beginning of the three weeks, I did smoke weed. Oh my God. Because I'm like for consistency, I need to. Yeah, I was also probably like drunk and just wanted to smoke <laughs> weed. But then, but then I was, then like I talked with everybody about it. Kiki was like, dude, just stop trying to outthink this you know <laughs> like you need to just relax and, and if it comes back negative you can be like i told you you know it was um the room i was in you know with all the weed right. and i was like okay you're right so but then like three and a half maybe even four weeks passed because i had to push it back a week because i was working between then and my next test and like appointment with them which is long enough for your body to clear marijuana from your system. Okay. But I came back positive for THC. And now I don't know if it's because I smoked weed or... And it didn't leave your system fast enough? Right. Or, and like, because I never drink water or something. Or... <laughs> your body doesn't like it could clear be out deodorant. as fast as other people. Yeah, exactly. And then, or if my body really is... Danny, do you not drink water? Very little. You need to. That's what they say. <laughs> At least you're drinking a kombucha. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start. So let's... delicious. Wait, can I give you an update on my life? Wait, hold on. There's just a final part to the story, and I actually would like your advice. Oh, okay. But I know what you're going to say. The yeah. thing is, is that now my next test is in a week. Don't do it, well, Danny. Don't smoke weed for it. She said the words today. I said, oh. And then I said, maybe it really is synthesizing CBD into THC, which was like unsmooth of me, you know, because it's like. <laughs> well, a, you believe the hotbox theory. That's so what that I works. like was p promoting originally, and then, and then she was like, "Yeah, well, that's consistent with your last results too," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you said the word that I've been thinking in my head this whole time, like consistency, consistency. I think you don't do it. You don't do it. What if it comes back positive? Then we'll. Then, then we'll you'll know for sure. And it comes back negative. I don't think she's going to be like, oh, okay, the other times are wrong. Maybe it's just as different. Well, I am taking double the dose now. <laughs> well, then we'll see. I'll be like, my body's just not doing it like it used to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's up? We can start it up. No, I only have one small update for you about my life, mm. which is that I've been playing Zelda. Oh, cool. Call of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. That's what I mean. Whatever. Yeah. The new one on Switch. You've I played Zelda? Yeah, I love it. Did you beat it? Yeah. <gasps> I was like working 80 hours and staying up till like 4.30 a.m. every day being like, I'm just going to finish this one mission. Oh my God, that's how I've been. I like feel like I'm going crazy. It drives you nuts. People would call me, a friend of mine called me who I hadn't spoken to in years and I actually really like and I like picked up and was like, just like so curt. <laughs> like just being like, bro, I'm like playing. Finally, I told him, I was like, you know, I am playing Zelda right now. <laughs> and he was like, you got to go. <laughs> Dude, I've been playing, like, I can just play for hours. Yeah, hours. hours and hours. Hours. Me and Kiki's whole relationship for, like, a period of weeks was just one person would play Zelda. I don't know what the other person would be doing. And then finally the other person would come in and been like, it's been, like, four or five hours. <laughs> My turn. 
So you guys each had two accounts going? Yeah, but only one Switch. Ooh. Oh my Does, god, I've never seen my screensaver before. It's nice. Does Wait, Avi can play? I do it? Yeah, he play, he's played the whole game through like oh, he's four times. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, he. Even though, like, I don't think of him as a gamer, but then when I really like look at the details, I'm like, yeah. he is. The, the facts back it up. The fa- I think the reason I don't think of him as a gamer is because he doesn't have like a setup with like a big chair with headphones, and he doesn't really like play with other people or anything. Totally. And he resists playing, but like if he gets going on a game, sometimes, like even he took over my Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. and he oh. didn't even care about it but he just started playing it and he was like playing it like an hour for me every day just like gave maybe like millions of bells or whatever an hour is not even that bad no but like he didn't even give a shit about the game but yeah. it's just like he's so into it that he, just he can't get into anything Animal Crossing was nice in the beginning before I really found out about like how to make money in any way well I feel like it got really boring for me it got so boring but it was nice like I just loved that I would just spend maybe three hours just fishing <laughs> see i get bored i'm bored it was extremely boring it was great when i was applying for unemployment because i had to call like probably 2800 times yeah actually. oh my god I remember that and i would just sit there i would sit there for eight hours a day calling and like then like fishing on animal crossing and being like this is a nice afternoon actually i don't <laughs> well especially when we couldn't leave the house so That's what I feel like Zelda is good for. Is like it's so beautiful that you kind of feel like you're outside even when you're sitting inside. It's I was like, really why did I wait till the pandemic was over to play this? I don't know. I played it before. We both kind of mistimed it. Yeah, Though we mistimed you it. You maybe more than me. Yeah. Okay, well let's get into some of the advice because it's already been 23 minutes <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Well, that CBD story really dragged. <laughs> it really fucking dragged. Well, it's the CBD talking. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay. So I feel like we don't need to do every question, but I feel like we could just talk through. Some of them are just kind of fun, quick hits. Mm. And then I even, I pulled in some bonus rounds just in case we feel like getting to extras. Okay. Because I was reading, like, I read through so many questions before I picked them for this round. And I had... There weren't that many this time. There's always five. Uh, Yeah. I knew that too. (laughs) Just, I feel like just once a franchise there was like do. 13 or 14. No, you're right. That was my kind of wild card week oh, number. Okay, okay. That was kind of like weird question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Around. Okay. This one, I'm not sure if you have that many thoughts, but because I think that you moved to New York with a bunch of friends already, but... No, I didn't. I was thinking about this question for sure. Did you have trouble making friends when you, when you moved to New York and did you ever feel uncool? The f- to the first question... I guess definitely. That you had trouble. Making friends? Yeah. Well, like, I moved here. I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough to move here the month before Annie moved here and two months before Max moved here. Okay, yeah. So you had a built-in friends right away. Yeah, but me, Annie, and Max were not that close yet. Oh, really? We were, like, friends. Okay. We knew each other. We had, like, hung out together or, like, gone to parties together or been to, like, Max's house or whatever. We've, like... It was a burgeoning friendship. Yeah. But in ways that it's much better to all three move to kind of a new city pretty much at the same time. Yeah. And then it wasn't like I was, like... It didn't feel like a retreat for me to be, like, I'm only hanging out with my old friends. Right, right. It felt like I was, like, I'm, like, in this new city and I'm also, like, embarking 
kind of on these new friendships. Right, yeah. Okay, that was like exciting. That but the groundwork had already been done, so it was much easier. And then meanwhile, I was, I think, very personally lucky that they both are um, like the type to be like, let's go here, let's do this, I know about this. <laughs> yeah, they basically dragged here. you everywhere. Well, yeah, I'd like get off work and just be like, where y'all at? Yeah. You know, and and wind up doing fun stuff all the time that I probably would have never done. I'd just sit on my roof. Yeah. But the first month I worked here, I won't mention him by name, but the very first person I met at work, and I was working like seven days a week, and like, I was kind of laughing about this because New York, like, I would tell people about my situation. Like, I was working seven days a week. I was paying like $800 because I got kicked out of like the whatever the living situation I was originally in with a friend of mine who had moved here and invited me to move out and then like booted me two weeks later invited you to move in and then with booted her you. Okay. and then was like actually like my housemates like don't want someone else staying here and I'm like why, why did you tell me it was all oh good? my god yeah I'm pissed and our friendship has never you know, really recovered she might listen to this um <laughs> probably not honestly maybe uh but so I was living in like a like warehouse in Bushwick, paying like eight fifty for a room with like no windows, with like six other people who I didn't know and didn't know one another, sleeping on like my own sweaters, and working seven days a week. Were you immediately doing like what kind of work were you doing? I was doing construction and I got a job at the bookstore. So within like a couple of weeks, I got two jobs okay. that filled all seven days, uh-huh. and then. I made a friend at the bookstore. It was slow. Everybody. Oh my god, McNally days! I know, pretty fun. I really miss those. But at, no one liked me when I started working there, and you know, only a few people liked me when I stopped working there. But still, <laughs> <laughs> at least I had like a crew. Uh, and then my one friend was the guy I worked with construction, and I remember like. Wait, I'll cut it down. But can you remember the name? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, maybe keep it. I just wonder if his girlfriend is a fan of yours. Uh, right, right. I forgot about His girlfriend. name is so funny. Um, but so he was working there and like we kind of became friends. We'd get drinks like after work. And then, you know, he started inviting me over to his house, which was nice. Like it was down the street, like by like the Graham stop on Metropolitan. He had like a backyard with a big tree, gorgeous, like lawn, you know, like it was nice. I was like, oh, cool. Like. I have a friend who has, like, a backyard. Yeah. You know, whatever. I'm, like, in New York City, I guess. Yeah. But, like, we would hang out, and I would be, like, do you like this person? And also, where are this person's other friends? You know? Yeah. Like, why did I... You realize you didn't like him over time. Yeah, but I would push it down, push it down, because I was so lonely and tired. I was, like, I need a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, luckily, you know... I was going to say that I feel like a lot of early friendships in a new place, they might not be, like, the perfect people for you, but, like, you have one little thing in common, and you just sort of have to ride that wave yeah, until a, you... A job is what I Yeah, in that case, a job. Being but, you know, I think about, like, some of the people I hung out with more when I first moved here, or when I first moved to San Francisco. Yeah. Or when I first got to college, or whatever it is, like, anytime you're somewhere new... There's always those people that you kind of latch onto initially that, like, maybe you don't stay close with forever because they're probably not a perfect match for you. But, like, it's totally fine, I think, initially Well, there's to have just, those connections. I mean, yeah, it's compulsive. Yeah. Somebody's like, do you want to go out for a beer? And you're like, yes, thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm so lonely. Yeah. And I love to drink. 
So like, I would love to do that. And then you're sitting there having a beer being like, this guy sucks. <laughs> I know, but like for, for anyone listening who's like moving to a new place, because I feel like I get this question fairly often. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of, it's obviously it's harder to make friends as like an adult than it is as a student. Totally. Way harder. Um, but I would say Harder that, like, to want to make friends as an adult, often. Yeah. Well, unless you're in a new place. I understand. Which, Go yeah. on. But, um, like I feel like the, the initial wave of people you meet and hang out with might not be perfect for you, but I don't think that's like a reason to like not hang. Because I think a lot of times the connections I made were like through another person, through like somewhere else. And like, it just sort of, I feel like this about life in general, but like the more sort of just... The more you like put yourself out there, just like the more connections that could be made that are kind of random and unexpected, and that's how like most good things happen in general. Yeah. So like waiting for the perfect people or the perfect friends, in my opinion, like doesn't really work. It but just, you it can just play an active role. Doesn't make any sense to like wait to be courted by I don't know. The perfect friend. Yeah. By who? <laughs> You know, it's just, like, if you're compatible with people or not, that's, like, I don't know. No one's perfect. Yeah. I think I think in the question, you know what we're missing is we're trying to talk about the question in parts, and we can't, because what the question... I don't think I ever... When I first moved to New York in regards to, like, feeling uncool, I just felt... This is an annoying answer, but it's true. I felt so poor, and I was. I had, like, no money. It was all going to rent. I basically was getting ripped off where I was living. I was getting paid nothing at either of my jobs. Yeah. I was working all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would ride my bike around and see, like, you know, I mean, arguably the most beautiful women on the planet live in the city. And I would just see all of them and be like, when am I going to, like, take you out to the deli and split a sandwich with you? You know, <laughs> like, I, like, you know, I, I also, like, had conceptions that, like, everyone in New York was just obsessed with money. Yeah. Which, like... I don't think those are wrong. It's just, like, the spectrum is much wider than that. Yeah, there's, like... I said this in my answer, that there's, like... Your perceptions of people in New York definitely change over time. Totally. They're so strong initially. I would drive around and just, like, mutter, like, money, money, money. Like, I, <laughs> like or, a little cartoon I didn't even character. have a car. I would ride my bike around and just... Yeah, like, I was, like... I was just, like... I was made crazy by it. I mean, um, yeah, of course. I feel like it takes up so much energy to be... To live here, yeah, and to not have money. Yeah, Yeah, it it absolutely does. It's like that trope about how, like, it takes so much more time to be broke. Yeah. Because you're, like, always on the phone trying to get, like... Anything. Yeah, money back or, like, doing laundry for cheap takes longer. Everything just, it literally takes so much longer. That's basically why, like, with the Chase thing, that's why, like, with the guy, I was just, like... Uh, uh, Danny was telling me a story earlier about... (laughs) Fighting over like overcharge, overdraft. Fees. Yeah, I was trying to close an account, and the and I had it had overdrafted just on fees alone. Like I hadn't been using the account at all, and then the guy basically tried to shame me by being like, "So do you just not keep track of your accounts?" And I basically was like, "Don't try to like bully me into a corner by talking down to me." Yeah. About like keeping track of my finances. Right. There was like. $34 in that account. No, <laughs> right. I wasn't keeping track of it. And you t- guys took it all without even letting me know. Right. And it like took you time to ask for that. Or as I think a lot of people who like might not take the time to do that. It also more was like he was capitalizing, I think, on the fact that like sometimes asking people like in pre- precarious financial situations, questions like that does 
shift the onus of responsibility onto them in a way that like doesn't necessarily need to be shifted yeah but they'll take it because they always are being told that it's their fault that they don't have money yeah and like you know there are arguments to be made but really it's like it's because there are just like fee structures in place to take advantage of the overly taxed mind the irony of an overdraft fee it's so annoying. It's so crazy. Oh my god, I saw these two women, sorry, this is kind of sad. These two women in the store once were just buying something and every time they'd be like, see if you can buy that. And then they like run the card and then they'd both be so excited when it went through. <laughs> <laughs> they kept adding individual things and every time it'd be like a $4 item and then you know it's like a $35 overdraft fee. Finally, I was like, Bro, you're getting overdrafted. Oh, and they no. were like, what are you talking about? I was like, "Oh no!" I hope it's not the case. Well, anyway, how do we get on this topic? Oh, when you first moved here. Anyway, yeah. You were like, we haven't fully answered the question because. I think, I think that I, I don't know if it's in my nature. It's not as if I don't hold my head high. But I don't think that I ever have entered a situation under the presumption that I would be cool. What about at the fashion show? (laughs) Yeah, the fashion show included. Like, and I even asked you, I was like, are you sure I should be coming to this? And you were like, just hold your head high. And so I did. And I can do that. Like, it's not like I can't just, like, keep my nose in the air if I need to. Yeah. But, like, I don't think, like, when I moved to New York City, I wasn't like... And then I'll rise through the ranks of the social, you know, like, it's like that never was, I don't know why I moved here. I moved here. But did you ever feel uncool, like, in a way that you felt was, because I imagine the phrasing of this person's question is that they went from feeling, maybe they didn't think about it, to suddenly feeling distinctly uncool in New York. Is that like a, a drop that you experienced? Mm, no, I mean, I probably... Well, number one, I was lucky enough then to have kind of like an, uh, a friend group kind of materialize out of like good times. Yeah, I always felt like that about you guys. Like you just, it's, it's, it was. It was great. It's, I was very, always, always very envious when I was younger of like Andy's friend group and how you guys all were so tight. It was just really lucky. It kind of expanded. This is just going to make people listening mad. Whatever. It was really fun. <laughs> oh, I just fell into the perfect cool friend group. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't even know if the group itself was cool, but we just had... I thought you guys were the coolest people Yeah, but you planet. were... Uh, back then, I considered you younger. Now you're like my age. At the time, <laughs> I was like, oh, Haley, like, it's so young. Yeah. <laughs> you were like two years younger, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just... That is, like, the way... I don't know. This is a stupid thing to say, too, but it's like to have a good time is world making. Like to be able to have fun with the people you're with is world making. It's like, like all that matters. Yeah, like it's like you will, it will just, doors will open. If they don't, it won't matter. If they do, it will only amplify the experience you're having, you know? Right. But it's like if you're already having a good time, just doesn't really matter unless it's really important to you to feel yourself rise through social strata. And if that is important to you, it will be quite difficult for you to genuinely have a good time that often because it is it is very like stressful. I will say that in New York, like or feeling cool, I've had moments where I like felt cool. 
like so many where I felt uncool, but like mm. the little brief moments, you know, whether it's like, you know, when you're walking to a fashion show and people are like crowding around you taking photos. Sure. That's it's like not a, something that I've experienced. <laughs> that's like, no, yeah. I'm explaining something that I've experienced. Uh-huh. Um, and mind you, they like do this to everybody that they like think might be somebody just in case. So it's not Still. necessarily representative of like your outfit or your vibe. Mm-hmm. But it makes you feel cool for a second. But I will just say, like, that feeling is so fleeting and it's not really worth all the trouble to try to get it. I just don't think it's worth the kind of, like, the weird... Uh, like, the way you have to kind of, like, self-commodify and, like, the kind of the, sacri- the connective tissue you sacrifice, like, focusing on that. I mean, I'm thinking of fashion shows specifically because if you go there... People are so concerned with seeming and looking cool uh-huh. that, like, nobody's having a real conversation. I mean, some people yeah. are, of course. But so many people are having, like, fake conversations where they're, like, looking around. And I know. It's, it's like, horrible. It's it's a perfect, like, sort of um, kind of hyperbolic or maybe you could say, like, the crystallized, um, the most literal version of, like, how coolness can sort of erode connection. Well, this is also, like, the game that... Wait, Sorry. How cool is- Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, this it's is, a perfect example. But this is like the game that New York plays about like events where there are open bars and then how fucked up you're going to get. And then it's like, why are you here? Wait, I don't, I'm not following. What I'm saying is that like, if I'm, if I'm at an event like that, it's got like an open bar. Obviously, maybe it's cool, maybe it's not, but it's definitely like a sponsored event. And then you're there... And you're at the event, and if you're there in order to, like, engage, like, politically with other entities at the event, you know, like, to network or to, like, have kind of, yeah, this, like, conversation in which your eyes are constantly moving all around the room or, you know, whatever, to engage with, like, other entities that you judge to be important to your standing or your career. And then there's the other people who are there, I think yours truly where I'm like they're being like I don't know how I got in a friend of mine is also here they told me there was an open bar and it's impossible to talk to anyone at this party the line between that is so thin though because you're just like I felt like both like you know that sort of feeling of like like I'm about to get lit but also part of the problem is those events are kind of awkward. I mean, we're getting off topic, but like those events are awkward anyway. And I think that people sort of cling to who they know. And that appears to outsiders as clickiness when mm. actually everybody's just like a little bit awkward and like finding yeah, the first but... person they recognize and running to them. Totally. That's true. But I'm not even talking about clickiness. I'm talking about like, you know, exactly what exactly what you were saying. Like yeah. when you're talking to somebody and they can't keep their eyes still and you're just <laughs> like, just calm down like i'm gonna get another drink they're like oh mm, mm, mm." that's it sometimes when i'm in a fashion show i'm like moving around trying to see who's there yeah okay fine so don't stop to talk (laughs) keep it moving no it's more like when i'm already sitting there with a friend and i'm like who's up there is whoopi if you're with a friend i don't Whoopi goldberg's always there i'm sorry you have to check her out that's a whoopi you know whoopi goldberg's like at every value i did not know that that's our scene dude Wait, shoot. I was going to make a point, and I can't remember what We're taking coolness very literally, but I do think that like there's a certain aura to New York that intimidates people in that way. And I think it really fades after you're here for a while, and you realize that the people who give off that vibe the hardest tend to be kind of like some oh, obnoxious people. Totally. I think this is what I was going to say. I think what you just said is very real. Like, there are different access points to superiority 
and like one of them is obviously being beautiful and well off and desirable in like the eyes of society at large mm. and you know carrying yourself through the world as if it's your runway and whatever or like being in a group that appears to be the center of the room etc but then it's like I don't know, yeah, working at McNally, I'm, like, making, like, you know, not to throw McNally under the bus, but, like... Throw McNally? At this point, under minimum wage, you know? Yeah. Like... McNally Jackson, for those who don't know, famous bookstore in Soho, like, a very, quote-unquote, cool neighborhood in downtown Manhattan. Yeah, Yeah, a very celebrity hotspot. But, you know, you're walking around, like, in your, like, gross, like, little clothes and, like, surrounded by just, like the most beautiful people on the planet and you're kind of like you know i'm here for work (laughs) and that is like also an access to like being above the world a little bit you felt above the world yeah a little like you kind of have to be because it's like i'm not here to play in the game that is being played like i'm not like i'm not here to be seen on the street yeah you know like i'm here to like sell you Fifty Shades of Grey or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but humans are like we're just instinctively hierarchical. Like we think in terms of like sure, where that's we belong a, that's, in, the, in the kind of that's my point right? though. Is yeah. that like it's like if you are are in a group of people or or a social dynamic in the city in which you feel or find yourself feeling inferior to like, the position that you are occupying, you know, for one reason or another, like, however you got there, you find yourself constantly feeling like you're an imposter or you can't fit in or whatever, what you need to do is realize that whatever scene you're in is disgusting (laughs) and, like, just figure out how to see how gross it is and it will really increase your access to power also then you become superior by being above caring yeah exactly (laughs) just invert the well because it's like there is no scene that is pure they're all horrible but this is how this is yeah i mean this is how snobbery starts too where it's like in group out group if you can't blame the in group you make your own out group that becomes your in group and and then i I also think this makes you like but you're looking at it only through the oh sorry i interrupted you Thank you, Danny. You're welcome. No, I'm just gonna say that I think no, I'm, this isn't a counterpoint at all. I think I'm, I think what we're doing is describing like human nature, and there's a lot of there's downsides to it as well, which is just like that uh, my life isn't going anywhere. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, that's really the conclusion I was gonna draw. No, <laughs> I just mean the, like issuing all ambition does have a downside. Which is you find yourself in the same spot you were. That's not where I was going at all. No, I just, I guess I think like there can be, I think feeling left out Mm -hmm. creates like a hostility towards other people and everyone sort of feels left out in their own way. Like I think even the people who we perceive as like very quote unquote in the scene, like sometimes people say things to me about me being in the scene and I feel really like you get a little vertigo because you're like, you're just so used to, everyone's used to feeling I think on some level they don't, that they don't belong. Isolated and alienated. Yeah. And so yeah. I think like it naturally creates like resentments that like maybe we wouldn't otherwise have if like there were a more, that, like, I, you know, uh, sorry. Go on. Well, all I was going to say, I was going to say two things. One, we're getting back to the original point, which is just like 
you don't need to love the people you're with. Like, there are times when the people you're with are legitimately awful. And honestly, maybe you're no good either. But, like, <laughs> if you find people who you genuinely, genuinely can have fun with, that is, like, a, a at least from for me, unless you have greater ambitions, but if, like, what you're looking for is just to, like, have a social bubble in which you feel, like, comfortable and where you can, like, really feel like you belong, find people who are fun, who you are compatible with, who you can, like, laugh with. Yeah. And that is a world unto itself. That's and, not always that easy, though, right? Does everyone feel like they have... I don't know. I can't remember, but... I don't think... That's probably maybe the luckiest part of my life. It's just that my friends make me laugh. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Wait, shoot. There was one last thing I was going to say, uh, but I can't remember it. I think the best way to view New York is it's like... I mean, New York is known for drawing people in who, like, are searching for a sense of belonging. And I think that that can sometimes come off as... I think that kind of anxiety can sometimes become or transfer into a kind of performative confidence that then intimidates other people. It's like this sort of cycle of insecurity, right? Yeah. I Sorry, I just remembered what I was going to say, too. Okay. But but I think you're right. I think, I think people come here maybe for... Yeah, maybe for a belonging. I mean, people also come to New York in order to garner power of some form or another. Yeah, true, you know? true. And, like, that is... Why did you come to New York? I don't know. I've been before. I really liked it. I think I have a penchant for um, self-flagellation and or, like, self-punishment. And then I also, honestly, I guess Mary listens. We just needed to part. You needed space from your San Francisco life. Yeah, like, you know, we were just, like, in a cycle that, like, would just continue forever if we didn't have physical space from one another. Right. And I was offered, like, a room in New York, which within a week and a half of moving here fell through. But, <laughs> you know, at the time I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. I was, yeah. I was kind of not loving living in the Bay Area. I had lived here when I was, like, 19 for a few months and really liked it. I just liked feeling put upon and tired all the time and working really hard at that time in my life. Yeah. Was like, for me, invigorating. It definitely has changed since then. Yeah. I mean, it's been, what, seven years? Eight years? Like nine? Nine years, at least. You're right, nine, because I was just talking to Annie about how it's ten years coming up. It's about to be, yeah, it's about to be ten. I feel like I moved here, I mean, obviously I moved here for a job, and mm. I had a lot of career ambitions. But I really do think that, like, friendship was a big draw for me. Like, I, I, I think when I came and visited Andy and I saw his, the friendships and, like, I mean, first of all, there's, like, literally more diversity here. And I don't just mean, like, racial diversity, just, like, actual diversity of types of people. Yeah, and social, cultural, everything. Yeah, every kind. Financial. Just, yeah, to state the, like, complete obvious. But I felt like I was missing that in San Francisco. And I wanted, to, I, I've just felt like things were just so energizing and alive. And I really imagined, I remember really imagining the people I could be friends with here. Like truly, like in the corniest way, just feeling like- That's pretty cute. Not that I don't like love my friends friends in San Francisco, but I had a pretty small social world there. Mm -hmm. And I felt pretty, I just felt like really uninspired in general by like the-, the I was laughing at your- There's nothing wrong with San Francisco. It just doesn't match with my personality, I don't think. Sure, I mean, no. And you can also say, I mean, I don't know. Not not all the way, but more and more, 
it becomes a monoculture. Yeah. Like as the tech bubble expands and right. permeates. I don't have as much negative emotion towards New York as you do. Yeah. Why I'm, do you feel this way? I just, I mean, this is kind of the other question of like wanting to uproot your life. Yeah, let's go so to that So should we one. move? Yeah, let's move. Hold on, Please. I want to get a beer. Okay. We're back in biz. Let's do question number three. I'm going to read it, okay? Sure. Every now and then I feel this urge to just uproot my life. I haven't really done anything drastic. Usually it's just changing a job, but lately the impulse manifests as a desire to move somewhere far away, shift my career completely, or even end my eight-year relationship. Did I write this? <laughs> I just feel like I have a limited time to live my life, and I want to have new experiences that feel inaccessible in my current life. I have FOMO. But I worry the impulse is just a thin craving for novelty, and if I follow it, I will feel more empty and lonely than I feel now. Of course, there's more nuance to all of it, more than just a thirst for novelty, but a lot of the time it feels like the driving factor is just wanting to shake things up. Is that enough of a reason to completely change my life, potentially disrupting the lives of those close to me? What was your instinct when you read this question, Danny? I mean, we were talking about moving to New York, and I think something that I felt every day since I moved here is like, I want to leave or go somewhere else. Like you wake up just dreaming about being anywhere else. I do not feel that way like oh, almost I've, ever. Every day I want to be on vacation. I want to live in California. Do you think it has to do maybe with your circumstances more than New York itself? I mean, likely. Cause if you were just doing your exact job and everything like just in another city. Yeah, I don't want that. I just want to drive around all the time. You don't want to work, Danny. No, I want to be <laughs> on the road driving. I would like to be back in Montana. So what you don't like is your life here, not necessarily New York. Actually, like right now, it may be in some ways the best it's ever been. Yeah. And like my workload and like schedule is incredible. That's good, Danny. But I think, I think... I also think I just very naturally, and especially like being in a relationship, like I very naturally am prone, I'm very oppositional, being comfortable, feeling happy, feel equally enjoyable and also burdensome. Right. Um, there is a responsibility that comes with it, which, you know, is supposedly a part of growing up, but I don't even think that's right. I think it's just probably a projection, but my reaction to that is to constantly desire to pick up and just evaporate. I also, this is something I was gonna say before in the last question that I forgot, but I remembered. A lot of people are way too sensitive to feeling isolated and alienated, but you're an idiot if you don't feel that way at least some of the time in any group that you're affiliated with. Like, it's just a natural feeling. Yeah. And I think, in the same way that I love my friends and love my relationships, I also dream of being free of all of them. Yeah. Constantly, compulsively, and. Do you think that's like a, a like a an extension of your depression? I'm sure it contributes to my <laughs> depression. I don't know if it's an aspect of. I mean, probably they co-constitute. I don't know. I just think like. Because I, 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 sorry, I only said that. I'm probably projecting, but I feel like when I'm depressed you I definitely want, have that like flee. run away live yeah. in the woods kind of thing mm -hmm. but I Me don't too. feel that typically it's not a regular feeling I have like when I'm in a better place it's something I feel even yeah when things are good I, I feel it equally strongly but like with a different flavor maybe yeah 
but it's like, yeah, I mean, what the question is asking is of being like, you know, I feel like I have one life to live and there are things that I cannot do in the circumstances as I exist within them. And, and in, in many ways, yeah, I think about that all the time. It's also like being in a relationship like that is there are parts of it that are so good and there are other parts that can become really stifling and I don't know. Every decision we make means we're not making another decision, right? So I feel like, you know, I've always, I always think about, like, Cheryl Strayed back in the day. She wrote about, like, how everyone has a ghost ship life, which is, like, this other life that they, like, thought that some 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 point in their life where they were at a crossroads and they chose one. Mm-hmm. And the kind of, the alternative parallel universe, like, always exists in their minds. Like, for people who have kids, it might be not having kids. Or yeah, it could it's a be... movie, Sliding Doors. Which, by the way, is a movie I came up with. Great film. Oh, and your comfort. Wait, Danny, you're the one who told me this. Do you remember this? What? I had an idea for a book, and I described it to you, and you're like, that's literally the plot of Sliding Doors. <laughs> do you remember that? That was literally yeah, yeah. years ago. I do remember, because then I told you that you shouldn't feel too bad, because I once thought of an idea for a book, and then Matthew told me that it was the plot of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> And I was so disappointed. Dude, this is why I feel like a lot of... I mean, not that I don't believe a lot of people when they say that they were copied on the internet when they're, like, calling someone out. Like, mm-hmm. people used to do this to Mandelblatt sometimes. Like, they'd be like, I actually pitched this, like, six months ago. And we're like, dude, we never saw that email. Like, and, and like... There's, there's one there, person in the office being like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just like... It's crazy. Like, sometimes we'd come to a pitch meeting, we'd all have had, like, the same weird idea. And there's just, like... Sometimes there's just something in the air and, like... People like it just happens sometimes. I feel like people are way too confident that their shit was stolen when it's like we have like literal proof that it wasn't. It's really annoying. I think that's an annoying thing that happens on the internet. But anyway, sure. that's a full non sequitur. What were we even talking about? Oh shoot, uh, picking up and leaving. Picking up and leaving. Your oh, ghost, oh, ship, ghost life. ship life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think, I th- I think in my you know in my twenties. Not that those are that far behind me. <laughs> I'm still young. Feels like it. In my 20s, I feel like I thought a lot about, like, what's the right decision, but I feel like there was a shift that happened for me thinking less about what's right and wrong and more about, like, well, there's costs and benefits to everything you do, Mm. you know? Like, I I always use this as an example, but, like, staying with your partner that you've had since college or whatever versus, like, experiencing dating, there's not really, like, a right or wrong choice. There's just, like, you know, you either get to have a part, like, if these are, if you view these as a binary, which not everybody does, not everybody's, like, seeking monogamy, etc., but... If you see this as a binary, um, it's not right or wrong. It's just like, well, there's benefits to staying with the same person. If this is somebody you love and want to be with, like, that's really interesting. Like, you have shared, you have a a memory of your youth together, which is not something you would have with someone you got together with later or whatever. Like, this is kind of a trite example. But there's benefits and drawbacks to both. It's just about, like, what what fits your personality more. And I think that, like, oftentimes we take somebody else's opinion of what's right or wrong because we're confused ourselves and we try to like map it onto our own and it makes people feel really confused about what they want because ultimately our desires are often shaped by other people's desires. It's called called mimetic desire. Okay. I just read an article, read and shared an article about this. Um, you know, it's like how jealousy starts and stuff. It's like, you don't care about your, this guy who's a crush on you until like the hot girl likes him. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, you don't care that your girlfriend like was spending time with this other guy until they came home and apologized so many times for hanging out. (laughs) 
And then you're like, what, should I be mad? What's going on? (laughs) It's all good. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm thinking. That's another flavor. But anyway, I think the reason I said this is just like a long-winded way is that I think this person has to look within and decide if like what they feel like they're missing out on is just what other people are projecting as really important that they don't actually care about or need or if they genuinely do want it and i think a lot of people force down what they genuinely like want to try so that they can stay it's it's easier to stay sometimes and to sacrifice your desire and and to just sort of like give into your and indulge your fears to like of change or whatever yeah and so i think like my instinct is to tell this person, like, shake it up. like Go for it. I mean, obviously my answer to them is much more measured, which is like, you know, stop and think about it. I but... think, well, also, okay. From afar, yeah, the answer is always shake it up. It's always shake it up. Then, like, and then send an email <laughs> and let us know what happened. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. And then tell us about it. You yeah. know, and then we'll be like, oh, man, like, we that was horrible advice. <laughs> Shouldn't but have also, told it. But, but the worst case scenario is like, she's learned so much about herself. Totally. She's just like not that bad. I think what I, I think that my answer will be unsatisfying. I think this is my answer to a lot of questions is like, it's like, I don't think that I assume that I will ever be content or like consistently happy. I think, you know, I really appreciate right now. I'm specifically talking about like my relationship I think if I, if I wanted to pick up my life and just disappear and do something different, I probably could right now, but for the fact that I'm in such a long-term relationship. Yeah. But I just, you know, I dream of being alone even when I'm alone. And I'm a very social person. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm an only child. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just dream of... I'm like, when I was alone driving across the country. I was having the fucking time of my life. I was just in such a good mood. Every day was great. I loved it. It's well, like, maybe the typical is... trappings of like a quote unquote good life like don't apply to your totally. personality. Yeah, maybe not. But but what I was going to say is that I don't really ever assume that, you know, even if I were to buck my relationship and buck my life and like throw everything to the wind and, and start anew somewhere else. Yeah. Begin a new relationship. And, you know, and and I'm sure there'd be some sort of honeymoon period if I was even able to find a person who could bear to be around me. But, like, (laughs) then, but then also it's like... girls are emailing me right now, Danny. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holler. Uh, But then it it truly is, like, then something where it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just too oppositional in myself. Like, I am eternally conflicted. I don't think about making decisions in the same way as you. Um, I, I just will never not feel this way. And, and knowing that makes it even more difficult to kind of make a decision in the face of it because it's so hard to figure out what are real desires and what is just my like natural opposition to my current state of being in any given moment. Yeah. And so my answer to this person is, yeah, like, go for it. What's to lose? I mean, your relationship, but also you guys probably will just get back together after you have, like, a wild year. Yeah, go have a rum spring up. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I told them that, like, I think they're having, like, an escapist fantasy. Did you read my answer? 
Yeah, but I can't remember it. I just was sort of like, I was like, I don't think you, I mean, first of all, they might need to shake up their whole life, like Mm -hmm. others saying, but I also think that we tend to cling to like the extremes, which is like, yes, change everything. Or like, no, change nothing. You're just like, grass is always greener. Right. And usually like the answer is probably somewhere in between. Like, I think that this person, I I wrote a lot about like safety versus freedom, which is something that I've like written about before, Mm -hmm. but just this, these are like two really important elements of our life. They're like in conflict with each other. We need... If you think of a kid, like, they need to be able to, like, run free, and then they also need to be able to come back to their parents and be, like, comforted. Like, I feel like that sort of push and pull exists throughout our our whole life. It's part of the human Surely. condition. Yeah. Too much freedom, you don't feel secure. Too much safety, you feel, like, empty and bored. And everybody has a different balance. Like, some people really like to be in the extremes, whereas, like, I think most people are somewhere in between. But I think part about part of like getting older and learning about yourself is like figuring out where that is, and also like flirting with like going too far in one direction or the other. And I feel like it's not, it's not about settling in forever anywhere. Like that's just not going to work. And like maybe the, the call that this person's feeling is a kind of signal that like something's not right. It's not for them to judge whether this feeling is right or wrong. It's like it's, it's not, it's nothing. It's just a signal. Totally. You know. I think also I would say you know. If you, depending on how old this person is, this is not to say Eight don't... year relationship, I wonder. Probably their 20s. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, you know, the difference between 24 and 29, I guess, in regards to a decision like this... Yeah. ...is somewhat significant, where it's like... you well, can. that's not significant that people think, do No, they? you can do it any time. But I'm saying, if you're feeling this way and you're 24, like, no question, <laughs> get out. That's such a good point. Yeah. No I mean, question. I, I would actually if you're say the same for 29. Way, I'd say the same for 29, though. But I, I do think that you're right. It gets like, less... As you get older, then there are more considerations. You're thinking it's still you can do it, but it's just like the stakes are a little higher. Yeah. You're thinking about, you know, whatever, your future more. If you're feeling this way and you're 24, like, you, you know, talking about being like, should I shake up my whole life? Like, you're just... Your whole life is already so mixed up. Just, yeah, like when you're, you're tw- not even gonna feel it. Just <laughs> when, go for it. <laughs> when you're 24, you feel so much older than like than you are. You are, yeah, yeah. 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 I feel you, like those years especially. You think you're like, oh man, my structure. It's so I can't set. start over right now. Yeah, and like, you're like, no, dude, you can. You can, you can do anything. Did go, I ever tell you about how I wrote into an advice column and basically got this advice when I was in my 20s? Wow, really? Yeah, I wrote in to an advice column about feeling sort of trapped in my last relationship but like trapped in a very loving way like you know all the stuff you've heard where it's like sure. i love this person and you know my life is like okay like i really don't but i'm any- straining at the bomb yeah i don't know how to i can't, I, I feel so guilty for complaining because i have so much mm-hmm. um and i can't decide what to do and she was just like and then i was i, I didn't even think to check if she would answer because i just assumed she wouldn't because i'm sure she gets so many questions and she answered it. It was two letters, just go. And I know, <laughs> I noticed that like a month later, and I was like, I remember like I was at work and like my stomach dropped seeing my own words on the website, just like completely dropped. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh my god, like my heart was just pounding in my ears because there was like a bunch of comments too. So I was like, oh my god. And she was just like, fucking go, yeah, do it. <laughs> break up with this person, like leave, move to New. She literally said, move to New York because I'd mentioned New York. She's like, move to New York, like. Leave this, like, tell him, tell him you love him and, like, leave, like, change your job, shake up your whole life, like, do it, go, go, go. And I just remember being, like, 
holy fuck and like people in the gun like i just and i didn't do anything for like probably another two three years mm -hmm. and then later i looked back and i was like oh my god she was so right yeah but like at the time i was like so not ready to hear it which is another thing it's just like if you're not ready to hear it, you're not ready to hear it. It's also just important, I guess. Like, for you, it worked out great. It's important to know, if you're unhappy now, it's true, maybe leaving, you will be happier. If you made the right decision, you will definitely feel unburdened. But, like, no matter what decision you make, you're gonna find yourself feeling like shit half of your life. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's and like... And so, <laughs> it's just like, go be with them, leave. Do whatever, but like, don't think that, you know, maybe you'll get a breath of fresh air and that's worthwhile and that's what you need, but you still will have just a very dark moments. Your problems will not solve. Like, right. I think that was a, yeah, two caveats. The one is that like, of course it could have not worked out for me. And I think that there's a parallel universe where like, I could have stuck it out and found like a really different kind of happiness. Like, I don't think like, oh, I would have been like in peril destitute. if I hadn't done sure. that. Or destitute. Um... And the other thing is, is like, I, I think what a, a moment for me that really helped me make my decisions is like realizing that I just wanted like different problems. Like I right. felt like I was really trapped in a rut that felt they weren't challenges that like gave me any energy or any excitement. And I felt like, you know, people would be like, well, you know, if I doubt about my relationship, but that was that a lot of people loved us together. They were like, what do you want a Prince Charming or whatever? And I was just like, no, I just want, I think I want something different. You're also I, like, fine. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> well, no, but I was a like, Prince I don't Charming. want someone perfect. I just want something different. And I felt so bad because I love this person, but yeah. I think it's okay to want something different. Totally. Obviously I'm going to come from that angle because I think, but, but everybody needs different advice. Like there's somebody who like is always running from person to person and they probably need the advice to like stick it out and see what happens when you like invest in something you know people need different advice so it's always just about like learning who you are and like sure. really digging into this but feeling. that doesn't sound like this person it doesn't sound, this, doesn't sound like this person yeah honestly i don't know it is a lot but if you're it just depends how strongly you're feeling this way <sighs> if you're miserable much, is it a fantasy to just escape your life which everyone has sometimes moving to the woods vibes everyone has sometimes but you have to figure out if it's that or if it's like if it's a call that you are just like not Living your authentic self. That's oh, man, different. This is making me feel really bad. If it's making you feel sick, do it. If it's making you feel sick, do it. Okay, I have a good one to end on. Okay. What happens to us when we die? Wait, maybe this is um, a bad one because I feel like I have other fun bonus ones I brought, which was like, maybe we answered this with our other questions, but like, what does it feel like being 30? Somebody asked me that. How old, First of all, we're how, in our 30s, but... Yeah, great, I would say. <laughs> wish so I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wish I was 30. What does it feel like being 30? Oh my god. I'm still 30, basically. If only I were still 30. Turning 32 in a few months, but we don't talk about that. Um, I mean, my question to them is like, how old are you? I'm guessing this person is like 25. Sure. Maybe they're 23. Maybe they're 23. I think 23 sounds right. I remember when I turned 30, uh, you know, I don't know, it was fun. We had a party. It was kind of no big deal. It feels the same as turning every year. But it is just like, I mean, Except I've, mine was, I had a magician at my 30th birthday party. I know, and I fucked the trick up. Do you don't remember you that? Don't you ever forget it. Wait, no? What? It was like a trick where he like 
had everyone doing numbers and like he passed this card around and he was like now add a hundred and I like obviously wasn't listening you did the math wrong and I just was like minus like 90 or something I don't know I didn't do it on purpose I just like know that then I was really annoyed because I was like I definitely did what I was told and you were like I watch you do it wrong and there was like a crowd of like 30 people I didn't know just being like boo That. And the magician was like, ah, oh, we got a troublemaker. You know, I was just like, I'm just drunk and like, I don't find this trick good. Wait, what? The t- okay, you're speaking ill of my 30th birthday, which was so fun. I had a great time. Did I don't really care about magicians, but low-key banger activity for a birthday It was party. cool, but I was just annoyed that I was the uh, linchpin of fucking up the trick. I don't Well, if it's any consolation, I don't remember there being a fucked up trick. Phew. I remember being jaw on the floor most of the time. Yeah, knocked out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what is be- you know what I think about being 30 is I think it's pretty embarrassing how many people say like or write essays about like finally like fully knowing who they are. Well, it's just funny cuz you could write that same essay at 24, 18, 12 and you do, which is what's embarrassing about it. Like at 12 you're being like, <laughs> "When I was a kid, I remember I used to, you know, and you're just like, okay, you're 12, you know, and then you're like 18 being like, applying to colleges being like, now that I finally settled in to being an adult, and you're just like, oh yeah, you just graduated high school, like you look like you're in middle school, you freak, like stop talking as if you know what life's about, because there's only one truth in life, and it is the truth inherent in owning a body. Being 30 is just being more tired than you were when you were 29, 28, (laughs) 27, 26, 25. You're just more tired. And 31 is more tired than 30. And every time you look back and you say, like, do I know myself now? There's only one thing you know, which is that you're just way more down for a nap. Than you ever were before. Yeah. I'm, that is it. That for is me, it's the more only pain. Thing. I'm like in more physical pain. Yeah, you're just creaky. Crunchy and creaky and tired. And it's only getting so much worse from here. Mm-hmm. I remember being 20 and being, and first of all, you it always feels different when it's you. You're like, I know the people think that they know everything at this age, but like I actually do. Like I remember being at 20 feeling like so, it's not that I thought I knew everything in the world. I just felt like I could handle any problem, like interpersonal problem. I was like, I wanted people to come to me for advice. Like I thought I was just a fucking genius. I was like, I could do, I could like- That reads. Like my whole philosophy was just like, you just have to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I was just like, I'm just a happy person. Like, you know what helps to be happy is just have some perspective. Totally. Will you care about this in five years? No, okay, then it's not a big problem. That was like my whole philosophy. Maybe you will. That's. I think I agree with that philosophy, but the answer is, will you care about this in five years? And even if the answer is yes, shut up about it. <laughs> no, I just feel like it's so funny. It's like people, I still, to imagine if I had like a bigger platform at that age, I just shut it You'd probably be think. so popular. No. Yes. I mean, I did have a Tumblr and I wasn't popular on there. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't have the ground yet. And it's, you, I mean, I just talked about this in my podcast, I think, was it last week or two weeks ago, but it's called the end of history bias or end of history illusion, which is that like, you always think that you're like finally done. You're finally there. Yeah. Yeah, You're finally there. 
that's why I think I find it pretty cringe. Like, all the, like, essays where it's, like, now that I'm in my 40s, now that I'm in my 50s. Not that I think that they're being dishonest, but I just think that, like, that truth constantly is changing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, perspective is not fake. It's real. It's real. You gain perspective. But it's also, like, what you're talking about, about being 20 and being, like, I think I have a grasp on on every possible permutation of social dynamics that could exist. Yeah. I'm able to handle anything that's thrown at me. And the reason you feel that way is because you have experienced all that your circle at the time has to throw at you. Yeah. Like and I you're was... like, I didn't do it perfect, but I like got it. Yeah. You know? And then you're like, man, I really have this down. And then all of a sudden... Just some shit goes down and you're like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's the, like, not that everybody goes to college, but, like, if there's any more cliche, like, Cliff is going from, like, college to, like, work, like, the post. Sure. Or, or you know, whenever, whenever that Cliff is for you, maybe it's after high school or maybe it's, like, after another Well, I think just leaving the degree. institution of education, yeah. whether that be, like, I don't know, K through 12 or, like your bachelor's or even post-grad or whatever. Yeah. Just leaving an institution that gives you a curriculum and is kind of just like a slightly less fun summer camp, (laughs) you know, like, and then being like in the world without that. And you're just like, I like the stretch I have to make to apply the power dynamics that I understood how to navigate within the curriculum as opposed to outside of them is so drastic and like I have to metamorphize like my own understanding of those things so drastically that yeah. it's just like and that's I happening all the time I, I in my life like I feel like I get to little moments where I feel like I figured it out and then like new challenges that I didn't even know existed will come up and I feel like that's what's I mean that's what keeps life interesting but there are moments obviously where that feels more stark like somebody asked me the question they're like what the, they described it as, like, you're the top dog. and You go from being, like, the pomp and circumstance of a graduation. Well, I was just talking about this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The, the pomp and circumstance of a graduation, you're just, like, the elite of, like, society. Like, one version of society. And then you just go, like, and you're, like, the bottom of the barrel of the workforce. Totally. And, um, I mean, I think the ideal or, like, the, the fantasy we're sold is that, like, that's not the case. But, like, it definitely is. Well, I remember, like... This is kind of an embarrassing example, I guess. Whatever. It's just what happened. But, like, my school went from K through 5. And so when I was in fifth grade, I was, like, the top of the social ladder. Mm -hmm. I was, like, I had friends. It was a very small school. I just, like, ran shit. I was one of the people who ran shit. And, like, that's fine. As a 10-year-old, you know? You know, I'm, like, dragons are the shit. You know, anything. And then I went to sixth grade. I was 11. I was in, like, a public school. There were, you know, 600, 700 people there. It was at sixth through eight middle school? Yeah. That's what mine was, too. I think in California that's pretty... Standard? Generally standard, yeah. And so... And I went and, like, you know, it was intimidating. I made a few friends. I had, like, a small circle of boys, some of whom were, like, cool. I remember, I mean... Oh, but anyway, but we, like, reverted, all of us, like, we would spend our lunches playing, like, wild games of tag all around our middle school as, like, 11-year-olds, which I would have never, ever thought to do when I was a 10-year-old as, like, a top guy. You regressed. Yeah, and then, but then I became a small, or, like, 
I was like a big fish in a small pond and then became a small fish in a big pond. And I like went backwards like two years and all of us did. Like we were just like running around playing tag because it was like the way we were like, this is like, I don't know. That if felt more safe. Yeah. Like we're not ready to like, but then Gary would be like macking on eighth, eighth grade girl. <laughs> Do you think that there's something impressed. similar happens like after you leave the school institution? I guess my point only is just that it's like the power dynamics of youth, like children are just so aware of, of power dynamics and, and understand how to operate within them. And it constantly gives them the illusion of understanding the world at large. Yeah. And as you grow, the, the veil of power dynamics is being like pulled away from your eyes and you're realizing more and more and more that they grow larger and larger and larger. And you actually only know how to operate in this very like kind of like contained environment. Yeah. And then even as an adult, still like yeah you're kind of constantly discovering that mm -hmm. you know i don't know i guess that's just my point yeah i feel like as i get older i've been like wanting more and more to assume the posture that like i don't bug is being very cute that i don't know as much as i like probably think i do that's actually what's kind of intimidating about writing like an advice column i'm not that i think i, I don't do like a classic advice like sometimes people do write in like what should i say to this person and i feel like ooh, i'm like just really nervous about being prescriptive because i just I feel like I could never possibly know enough about the situation to like tell them what I think. Mm -hmm. um, but it's scary to write an advice column when I feel like, well, my feelings on all this might change. But I feel like I try to be really soft on everything. You know? Yeah, whatever. It's also like, you know, an advice column is exactly that. Everything's taken with a grain of salt. I know, but I think that like advice culture has created like a weird. <laughs> like, of just like people who live their whole lives by what they're like advised to do by avatars online. I don't know if people live their lives so by advice columns as much as like they invite other people's perspectives in so intensely that it gets like mixed up with their own and sure. it creates a lot of anxiety. Yeah. You know, that it's like, true. I mean, I don't think the internet, if it's brought us anything is anxiety. I always say this, but like people need different advice. This is why advice columns don't work exactly. Like I feel like the actual advice for every person should always just be like, figure out who you are and use that as a guide. We literally just said you never will. <laughs> literally, Bye, we've Mug. described the human condition. The only way to move forward is to know who you are and you'll never know who you are. That's why my Have advice a nice is life, folks. do not expect to be happy. You likely won't be. Life will I be don't difficult. feel as, I'm not it's as pessimistic, true, Danny. Life will be difficult no matter what decision you make. And, and so now, you know, Feel free to turn, I think turn I, your sail as the wind blows. I do think that modern life, though, is set up in such a way that makes it a lot more difficult. I don't think it's always deep by default needs to be like that. I think there are certain conditions in your life, Danny, that have made that feeling more accessible and present. Yeah, me. my personality. <laughs> <laughs> that is the condition that I'm dealing with. Yeah, you're dealing with the, the systemic condition inside of your mm -hmm. body and yeah. brain. I think. Well, is that a sign-off? How do we get out of this? <laughs> well, I... That well, a, I guess that, that was a great sign off. Letting to be ruined by okay. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Danny. This was fun. I this was fun. Time. It's been a while. I'm gonna have to edit the fucking shit out of I this. Know, I'm sorry. That's okay. It's for the best. Should I play Zelda? Listener, I did play Zelda for many, many hours, and Danny watched, and it was actually really fun. <laughs>
But anyway, I'm learning. I'm becoming a gamer, so maybe I'll see you like next year when I come out of my Zelda cave. I'm just kidding. I'll see you next week. And I hope you have a good week. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Danny for coming on. And thank you to Soft Streak for my theme music, as always. Okay, bye. Baby